Kia I'm Damien Venuto. It's March 8th, International Women's Day, and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Much of the focus on the struggles women face in the workforce tends to be on the executive level, with critics often questioning why women still find it so difficult to break into that board level. But the problems run far deeper than this. Even at the ground level, women can struggle to break into the workforce or restart their careers after taking some time off. So why do things continue to be so tough for women? Will the upcoming recession make things even more difficult? And what are some of the things men can do to help more? Today, Robin Moore, the executive manager at the Auckland branch of not-for-profit Dress for Success, as well as board chair Andrea Hardy, give us a sense of how difficult things remain for women. Andrea, there's this impression that Dress for Success only helps women dress for job interviews, but you guys actually do far more than that. So can you give us a sense of what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Dress for Success provides personal and professional support to unemployed and underemployed women, especially those from more vulnerable communities. And that includes the provision of the appropriate interview clothing and accessories, as well as employment retention programs that are run through our career centre. During their time with us, the women work with our stylists to determine what clothes they like and are most comfortable in and work with our volunteers to build up their confidence, sell themselves and be interview ready. And once they're successful in securing a role, they get to come back and get a capsule wardrobe so they have clothes that they require for those first few weeks of work without having to worry about where the money is going to come from to buy their new clothes to suit the job. Now, Robin, you're often working firsthand with these women. So how important is that first appearance at a job interview? And what are some tips that you could give to women who are maybe a little bit afraid of that experience? Whether we like it or not, first impressions matter a lot. They say you get six seconds to make a first impression, and it's called first impression for a reason. You don't get a second chance. Your personal brand is on show. It's your story. It's who you are. And you need to put forward the confidence, whether you have it or not, there's that wonderful saying, fake it till you make it, but to put yourself out there. Being fit for the role is more than do you have all the skills. It's are you the right personality? Because you can learn skills. Women tend to not apply for jobs because they think I can't do 100% of the job. So that means I'm ruled out. If you've got the passion and the interest, you show up right, you show that you're interested and you're smartly dressed, you're clean, you're tidy, you know, you put yourself out there and believe in yourself. That's really, in a nutshell, what you need when you first go in for that first interview. Robin, is that lack of self-belief something that you identify quite often in the people that you work with? Absolutely. A lot of women that come to us come from very vulnerable backgrounds. Their confidence has been really, really bashed around. And that's where the Career Centre plays an important role because that first year where they're with us, our Going Places workshops is all around building their inner confidence. We often say the clothing is the outside armour, but it's the belief in themselves that we need to rebuild. And those workshops through that first year help to do that. And, you know, we've got so many success stories of women's confidence just growing and their belief in themselves because we believe in them. And that's often all they need is to know someone believes in them. Then they start to believe in themselves. Robin, there's this impression that this only applies to the poorest members of our society and that those who are doing a little bit better perhaps don't have the same problems. But is that really the case? 
No, it isn't. Look, women come to us from so many different backgrounds and you are exactly right. Often people think it's obviously people that are down and out. That is so, so wrong. That's so stereotypical. You know, the women that come to us for whatever reason, it could be domestic violence, it could be the recent storms that changed everybody's life dramatically. It could be divorce. It could be they're new to the country. You know, they don't know how to apply for a job here. They don't have the appropriate clothing. So no, there is no typical profile or age. Our clients typically are from 17 to 70. We don't have the strict criteria that you have to tick 10 boxes before you can come and see us. We try to meet women at their point of need. Andrea, are people more likely to come to you when they're looking to apply for a job for the first time or when they're likely to try to get their business off the ground? Because that's an element that you guys haven't even touched on yet. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's needs are different. And yes, we're dealing with people who are trying to get into those entry-level positions. They're just trying to feed the kids, pay the rent, etc. So everyone's journey is different. We are looking at women who are also underemployed. So those of us that perhaps are highly qualified, new immigrants, et cetera, who are working at your local supermarket because that's all they can get or that's simply the easiest thing to do. Do you think that there's a gap between the jobs that women are applying for and the potential that they have to fulfil? Yes, definitely. New Zealand has a higher number of people who are underemployed than unemployed. So those women that are often underemployed, as I said, simply take what they can get and they have so much more to give and there are missed opportunities for them out there. Is there a division between the confidence that men show and the confidence that women show? Because we spoke a little bit about that checklist of requirements for a job. Are men more likely to apply for jobs that they are perhaps underqualified for? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) A guy typically will look at a job and go, yeah, I can do 50% of that, I'm going to apply. Whereas a woman looks at it and goes, oh, I can only do 50%, no, I can't apply. And it's getting women to believe in themselves that you don't have to have the 100%. In your experience of dealing with many women who are going through that exact conundrum in their career, why do you think there is such a big divide in confidence between men and women? I think a lot of it comes down to belief in themselves and it's also the whole thing around equality and the opportunities for women that typically have not been open. After trending down since 2014, the divides widened again. Women now earn on average 10.8% less than men. It means that compared to Pākehā men, Pacifica women effectively started working for free on September 22, Wahine Māori on October 3, Asian women on October 23, and Pākehā women on November 15. Robin, can you share some of the more memorable stories that you've heard or people that you've helped over your time Look, there's two that really stand out for me, and one happened during COVID and one was just recently. During COVID, a lovely lady came to us and she'd been employed in the same organisation for 30 years. Back then, she didn't even have a CV. It was word of mouth. She got this job and she'd been working away at it, and she literally could do anything. She could turn her hand to anything in that organisation. She came to us and she was destroyed from a confidence perspective because she felt she had nothing to offer. 
we set her up with one of our career centre coaches and they went through and talked about what she'd been doing for 30 years and put together the most amazing CV. And I remember her looking back at it and going, wow, can I really do all that? Because you know what it's like when you're in a job, you don't actually think about your skills and what you have got to offer. And it was just life changing for her. You could just see the light bulb go on. And redundancies are no fun. I've been there myself. And it's really, really dense your confidence. And she was an older lady. And then just recently we had a young girl come to us and she was going for a job as a stop and go person on the roads. And she was going for that job because her friend got that job. And she came in and she said, look, I just need black pants and a black top because this is the only kind of job I'm going for. And our wonderful stylist got her the clothes that she needed. And she said, look, will you just try on a couple of dresses and things like that and just have a bit of fun? Anyway, she did. And she came out of the change room and looked at herself in the mirror and she just went, wow, I don't want to be a stop and go person. I want to be a receptionist because I look amazing. And once again, it was because she just looked incredible. She felt incredible. And we want to follow her journey and find out how she gets on. But her belief in herself changed just because we believed in her and we encouraged her to try something different. The interesting thing there is that there is a parallel between these stories, even though they're happening on the opposite ends of the career spectrum. On the one side, you have somebody who doesn't recognize the value that they've added on a daily basis for 30 years. On the other side, you have somebody who looks in the mirror and maybe sees something that's not worth what it is actually worth. So how do you build that confidence when you're dealing with people that are coming from such different career positions? Look, it's a mixture of our workshops and the peer-to-peer support that they get when they attend our workshops. It's from our career centre coaches. And really, it's life experience, I suppose. And helping them to believe in themselves is so, so important. And look, we've just got so many success stories. We've just had last year, one of our clients get selected as a global ambassador for Dress for Success. And I mean, that's phenomenal. When she came to us five years ago, she was going through a huge cultural change and wanted to start wearing her hijab. And she was feeling very, very unsure about all that. And she's a real mental health advocate. And she was going through all sorts of issues around jobs and things like that. Today, she's one of our global ambassadors and the most amazing woman who's now out there advocating for other women. And it's all come because we believe in her. Andrea, the responsibility of caring for children still falls disproportionately on women. This means that they often need to leave the workforce for a longer period of time. What impact does that have on their confidence and on their careers overall? Yeah, it can be hard for them because, you know, they're taking time out to look after their children or not just kids. It's about caring for the elderly or their communities as well. And there are a number of barriers they face. It could be that, oh, you've been off work for such a long time. You're not going to be relevant anymore. Oh, you've got kids. You're going to have to take time off. So they face a level of discrimination from potential employers as well, which is a real barrier and really knocks their confidence. So again, they just keep looking for casual or flexible work, school holidays off, that sort of thing. And you go back to that underemployment piece. It just becomes this cyclic thing and they just can't necessarily get out of that because of their perception of their worth, both by themselves and the marketplace. Further to that point, I mean, divorce can be destabilising for anyone, but what are some of the repercussions you've seen the breakup of a relationship have on women? 
it's really tough for them because they've gone through something that's terribly emotional. The world has completely fallen apart. And then they're having to look at how are they going to support themselves or their children or dependents if they have them. And some of these women have worked for their husbands or the family business, etc. And again, like Robin's example, they don't perhaps have a CV or they don't see the value in what those skills and experiences are. So it's about rebuilding that confidence and seeing them go, actually, I was on the PTA and I raised all this money or I was the treasurer of the swimming committee or what have you. And making them see that as really valuable skills that then they can put themselves forward and out there again at a time when they've been at probably one of the toughest crises in their life. Having worked at the executive level for some time yourself, do you think that executives are becoming better at understanding those periods of strife and responding to their workforce and ensuring that the environment where people are working is a little bit more positive when people are going through something really difficult? Yeah, definitely. I mean, all employers, those large corporates, et cetera, or any employer want to be a good employer and be a great place to work. So they're always looking for programs that are flexible to help bring these people in. You know, women in leadership, there are numbers, you know, less than 25% of women are in leadership roles. And not everyone wants those roles, but there are some really valuable input that women can have in the workforce. And with a tight candidate market, borders closed, all those sorts of things, let's look at the markets we've got and bring in those women and give them the flexibility because you'll get a hell of a lot out of them by providing them with the flexibility that they need. Robin, I suppose much of the media reporting, especially during International Women's Day, tends to focus on the top end of town, the CEO level. Why don't we have enough women in those roles? But your work kind of suggests that this starts at the ground level, that these problems are systemic and that they flow all the way through. So can you explain to us how you see that come to fruition right from the ground level? Look, I think some of it goes back to what we were saying before. It is predominantly entry-level roles that we see at Dress for Success. And a lot of that is because, once again, that belief that women have in themselves, their value that they feel their worth, and it's that whole, oh, but I've only got 50% of the schools required to do the job. We don't work with CEOs. We have worked with people, however, that have had strokes that have been very, very successful professional women, and all of a sudden their life has changed dramatically because they can't do that job anymore. So it's now meeting them at their point of need and helping them to find value in what they still can do and contribute. So I think it's that whole underselling themselves, and we were talking before about, you know, we work with the unemployed and the underemployed And it's really getting to those underemployed women and helping them to believe and see a greater future for themselves if that's where they want to go. And that's certainly where our career centre is aimed this year. Andrea, a big reason why women are often underemployed is because they're doing the lion's share of the housework. And former Westpac CEO David McLean wrote a really good op-ed for The Herald in which he bemoaned the fact that he hadn't done enough housework during his career. So do you think men need to step up and just do a little more? (laughs) I giggle because I had this conversation yesterday with my husband about the fact that he he was actually folding the washing. Uh, And he said, it shouldn't all fall to me. So yeah, look, it's not the 1950s. The woman aren't at home cooking a meal and putting pretty lippy on as that meme is all about. But yeah, it should be 50-50. Women want equality. They should be allowed to go out and work. Men give them the equality by helping out a little bit more around the home. What's your view on parental leave? Is it good that men are increasingly taking parental leave? 
Yes, definitely. I mean, obviously there are things that men can't do when it comes to having a baby and that sort of thing. But yeah, why shouldn't they? So I decided to take parental leave and I've learned pretty quickly that kids grow up fast and a great opportunity to really spend time with them when they're at such a young age. You build such a strong kind of bond and connection with your baby as well. You know, my partner was able to go back to work, start working on her business and focus on her career rather than the reverse. Given that we are headed for a recession, what impact do you think this will likely have on women working in Aotearoa and on your jobs? Well, look, like the last recession, businesses will start to economise. And to do that, they look at roles that they don't perhaps see as adding value, particularly on the revenue front. So it's often those admin roles that are disestablished when they're trying to save money. And often those roles are held by women. But then pressure will be put on areas such as hospitality and retail where people stop spending. So therefore, there's less revenue. Therefore, they want less employees. So, you know, it happened in 2008, 2009. It has potential to happen again if we do go into a recession. This International Women's Day, what message would you like to send to women who have perhaps lost hope of finding a job that really fits to their potential? Starting with you, Robin. I guess the key thing is that if they could just start to believe in themselves and that it's actually okay to fail because it's no such thing as failure. It's really trying and believing you can do something. You know, finding organisations like Dress for Success that can travel the journey with you, finding the workshops that can help you to grow your confidence and belief in yourself. It's really hard because women do get knocked on a lot of levels, but you've got to believe in yourself and it's something you have to do yourself. And are you, Andrea? I agree. It's about belief, as to quote my favourite TV character, Ted Lasso. But also, you know, if it is taking a while, use that time wisely and make sure that, you know, you're upskilling or reskilling, looking for volunteer opportunities where you can start to gain your confidence because you know that you've got some skills to add. And if you're continuously learning, the better prospects you're going to have. Thanks to both of you for joining us today. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson and Paddy Fox with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.